Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist, and I'm on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture, and find food truth. And my guest today is going to help us find food truth in a very unique way. Mark Menjavar is a San Antonio, Texas-based artist and photographer, and his project that intrigued me so is called You Are What You Eat, a series of portraits made by examining the interiors of refrigerators in homes across the United States. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be with you. Well, I can't remember exactly where I saw your photographs for the first time circulating about, Mm. but I was absolutely intrigued by them. Like, stop in my tracks, look at the insides of refrigerators, and I thought, what a unique project. What made you do this? Well, you're kind, Melinda. In 2006, I was working on another project with an individual on hunger, and so I was thinking deeply about issues of poverty, hunger, food insecurity, and so that was kind of the beginning of it, and I started to just explore food issues and began to ask questions about how I could explore or begin a project photographically that kind of, uh, you know, addressed many different issues and that really um, kind of kept my curiosity. And so through trial and error of a couple other ideas, I finally ended up on making portraits of people by photographing the interiors of their refrigerators. And how willing are people to let you into their homes to photograph their refrigerators? Well, I would say the experience of working on the project has been incredible. Uh, You know, I photographed over 50 individuals, and only three people that I asked or that I invited into the project said no. And so it was usually, I mean, a really easy conversation, but um, the majority of the people in the project are complete strangers to me. So they're people that I met in a restaurant or sitting next to me on an airplane or at a food bank. And so usually what I would do is I would just kind of find a way to begin a conversation with them, tell them who I am, what I was doing, and then invite them into the project. And that word invitation was so much of how I viewed uh, the project and, and the way that I worked. I think that having a complete stranger come into your home And then open up your refrigerator door is very similar to somebody coming into my home and saying, by the way, would you mind if I opened up your dresser drawer and looked at your lingerie? (laughs) It's such an intimate portrait of who we are. It really is. And, you know, it's this weird space, right, that it's so private and so intimate, but also it's very communal. We share with the people in our household or when we have guests over, they may pull something out of it. But I love it. One person that I was talking to the project about or two early on, uh, she's a poet, and she said, you know, when you ask somebody, you know, to photograph their fridge, it's almost like you're asking uh, somebody to pose nude for the camera inside of doing that. And I really, I think, you know, after working on this project for four years, I really, I really do think there's some truth in that. Oh, absolutely, Mark. You know, I thought it was interesting how you described these pictures that you took as portraits, really revealing so much depth and history of the individual. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some of the people that you interviewed. You know, in your, mm-hmm. on your website, you talk about the rich, the poor, vegetarians, Republicans. Yeah. Which, ones, which ones made some of the most impact on you? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think it really changes week to week. But one that I've been thinking a lot about has been the botanist that I met 
in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And he is such an interesting individual. I met him at a food bank, and he said, you know, I don't like people. I don't really want to spend time with anybody. And so I invited him to be in the project, and we started spending some time together, and we ate a meal together. And then he said, well, can we eat dinner together, too? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. And I, you know, and I started to really think about, it was kind of strange for somebody who didn't like to be with people, how much time he really wanted to spend. And, I, you know, he had some pretty severe mental illness going on. But that story really, I think I learned a lot about the power of a meal and the power of sitting down at a table and having conversation and sharing life with each other. So did you have the meal before you took the picture of the inside of his refrigerator? I think I did have the meal. I'm trying to remember back. We had a meal together. We had several meals together over the course of my time that I was there in Fort Wayne working on the project. So, But I think I did have some conversation with him beforehand. And what did you see inside his refrigerator? Well, in that refrigerator, there is... Uh, there is very, very little food. There is a uh, an old Pepsi bottle that's filled up with water. There's a brown sack whose contents still continue to remain unknown. I believe that there's some hamburger buns and a container uh, of food which looks like it you know, maybe has some chili or something like that in there. Not mm-hmm. very much at all. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that you had interviewed a soldier, a former soldier in mm. Hitler's SS. What was that interview like, and what was in his refrigerator? Well, he was such a phenomenal individual. He was first time I saw him. He was cruising down the road in a little on in a um, an electric wheelchair. He had some issues with his legs, and so I began talking with him and had just a fascinating story. I mean, really, his story was one of deep hunger. He had been in a prisoner of war camp and had gone without food, and his father had died of starvation. And so from that day on, he said, I will not go another day without food. So he really was a food hoarder. And um, inside of his home, there was about 14 or 15 boxes lined up along the hallway wall that he had gotten from food banks from, from different pantries. And uh, the majority of the food in his refrigerator is actually taken from dumpster diving. And so he would literally go out and reclaim food because he thought it was such a waste that people would throw away stuff. And he said, you know, the only time that I throw things away is when there's mold on food. And and if you look closely at uh, the photograph of his refrigerator, you can actually see mold growing on the lunch meat. And so there is, uh, he has half to use cans of juice and all kinds of meat products and, and different things in there. But it's completely stuffed full. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you say that because um, I think I may have mentioned to you when we were first having our initial conversation mm-hmm. that I was a diet, clinical dietitian. Yes. It was my first job when I came to town, and I had a prisoner of war as a patient. Uh, the doctor had put him on a low-calorie diet to help him lose weight, and he was so angry about it, He and he said, I will never be hungry again. And it's interesting that you also saw that same kind of attitude in another individual who had been a prisoner of war. And I I think that really speaks to the issue of hunger Mm -hmm. and obesity and hunger and and a a distorted relationship to food. And, And so from a societal perspective, which of course is really the ultimate mission of your project, I love the way you say that your hope is that your project will help people think deeply about how we care 
care for our bodies, care for others, and how we care for the land. So it's it's really beautiful. I want to ask you another question because it was another photograph that, of course, jumped out at me, and that yes. was the one that had the snake frozen in the freezer. <laughs> yes. I met her out in the desert, and she immediately started telling me about her life and very interesting things. And when I invited her to be a part of the project, her eyes kind of lit up and she said, oh, I have a surprise for you. And so we drove back to her house. And it was kind of a little unsettling, you know, moments there. And not exactly sure what you're getting into with with so many of these stories. And um, when we walked in, and and this is actually, it's a a freezer, not a refrigerator. I feel the total freedom to include uh, the freezer in the project. But she opened it up and kind of watched my face. And as I kind of scanned across, I was like, oh, tortilla is this. And all of a sudden, I, I saw the snake. And I, for some reason, I was not surprised in the setting that I was in with who was showing it to me. But I said, why in the world do you have a snake in there? And she said, pretty plainly, she said, you know, she's a short order cook at a hotel. And when she had gotten off her shift, she was driving home and somebody had just run over it. And she uh, got out of her car to pick it up because she thought that it would be a really beautiful walking stick. And a really odd little little deal. But, you know, it had already been in her fridge for about a year when I met her. I think that was in 2008. And I would bet money that it's still there now. So. Wow. You know, I, I figured when I first saw that that she was going to eat it. Yeah. Which is not not uncommon. Actually, in my life, I, I have I have had a rattlesnake before. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting. Now, when you show your work, and you've shown these these images all across the country in different shows, do you also talk about the person? Like, in addition to having the picture of the inside of their refrigerator or freezer, do you also have a little biographical statement that goes with that? Well, I don't have necessarily a biographical statement, but what I do have is I have some accompanying text for each uh, image. So the, just, you know, to use the one of the, of the snake as an example, it says, you know, next to hers, it says short order cook, marathon Texas, two-person household. And then also it says, you know, she can bench press over 300 pounds. And it's kind of a quirky one. So on all of them, I, really what I have is I have their occupation, the town that they live in, how many people are in the household, and then some kind of, some bit of information that I gleaned from the time that I spent with each person. And Melinda, all along, my hope has always been that the text would just be a launching point for the imagination. And so to take us to a different place, to be used as a reflection, but then also, so often, that also highlights a food issue or something that I'm really that I'm really hoping that people will think about, but maybe in an indirect way. Mm-hmm. I think it's a brilliant project, and I think mm-hmm. that we can talk about so many issues related to the contents of a refrigerator. I mean, we are what we eat, Yeah. and we also eat maybe sometimes because of our circumstance, not necessarily what we choose to eat, but mm-hmm. because our society forces us to be in a certain environment that limits our food choices. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the refrigerator that contained what seemed to be an enormous number of styrofoam containers. Yeah. Bartender. 
<laughs> and uh, this guy was something else. When when I was photographing, he was so kind. I mean, to really to allow me to to come over and to spend time with me. And there was a little bit of embarrassment there, but I still really appreciated his, you know, him still honoring doing it. But you know, we had to close the refrigerator door three times because it stunk so bad. And you know, ended up having to light incense in there so that you know they would kind of mask the the smoke. And it's real, it's real interesting. You know, I, I just talked to him. This is somebody who I don't see too often. But I have some regular contact with. And this show just opened um, here in San Antonio, Texas, at the Southwest School of Art in our main public library. And he came to the opening. And when I saw him, I said, "How do you feel about you know the image hanging on the wall?" And he kind of said, "You know." I'm, I feel like I should be embarrassed about it, but I'm, but I'm really not. And I thought that that was just interesting. And, you know, so much of he and I's conversation was about time and how little time he has. You know, he really he goes to bed at about 8 a.m. and wakes up at about 4 p.m. daily. It kind of represents this whole section of society that is totally reversed from the rest of us and that their their schedules are completely flipped. So when we're waking up, you know, there's a whole world that's going to bed mm-hmm. in the food industry. I mean, gosh, and so, you know, the, the individual. So, you know, one of the questions that I really love is, you know, who's preparing our food? Who's picking our food? All of those issues that go in, go into the, the project as well. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, we are having a fascinating conversation with Mark Menjavar. He is a photographer and artist based in San Antonio, Texas. And the project of his that really caught my attention and my fascination is called You Are What You Eat. It's a series of portraits made by examining the interiors of refrigerators and freezers in homes across the United States. Mark, you mentioned that you photographed 50 individuals' refrigerators and freezers. Out of how many people, you say you just a few of them said no. Mm-hmm. So out, so really the majority were totally comfortable with you coming in. They totally were. And why do you think that is? Well, I think that, you know, part of it is really, you know, I said this earlier, is that really seeing it as something that you invite people into. And so there's a way as opposed to, uh, to, you know, to taking an image. And, you know, so often in photography you hear that, you know, the image is all that matters. And, and for me in my process, I really don't agree with that. I think that the way that we make projects and, and make work is really, really important. So I really tried to respect people. I really waited till there was an appropriate time. Uh, if there ever is an appropriate time to ask somebody, can I come to your home, uh, a complete stranger. But I, and I really think that when you talk about something and you have passion and um, and people see that, that, that can help to build a little bit of trust in that moment. And so I try to share about my life, why I got started in the project, and just try to be as open and warm as possible uh, while respecting people uh, in that process. Yeah, I think that Showing your genuine nature in caring is probably a wonderful invitation inside. I thought it was interesting that one of your subjects was totally blind, yeah. which, which allows a whole other, a totally additional layer of trust for him to you. Yes. What was his refrigerator like? 
Well, uh, her, oh, uh, it was, it's actually a woman. I, you know, it was actually, uh, one of the, the cleanest and neatest ones that I saw. And I kind of, you know, it's real funny. When I met her, I didn't know she was blind for about five minutes. And that may seem so odd. She was actually cooking in a, in a soup kitchen. She was a volunteer. And she had spent, uh, 35 of her youth. 35 years of her life sighted and then you know she'd been blind for about 30 she was um she was in her 60s and uh, you know so just in talking to her and realizing that she was blind but what a fascinating individual she was to just continue functioning and continuing you know in completely engaged in society but one thing I, I finally asked her I said how do you know where things are and how do you you know she said you know a lot of it is just by feel and by smell and by taste and the end of spitting things out sometimes <laughs> so I thought that it was something that I had never really thought about and she lived completely on her own you know she had uh, some family and friends who came over on a daily basis to, to be with her to pick her up but really an incredible woman one of the refrigerators that you show in the drawer on the bottom, it almost looks like there is clothing in there. <laughs> is that what was that? Um, <laughs> uh, that is, uh, there's two competitive food eaters that are in the project. I had, I was never really familiar with competitive food eating, and through um, a connection uh, when I was heading up to New York to work on the project, I got connected with these these two individuals and uh, they're roommates and they have there's a third person that lives with them and one and one I mean they're nationally internationally ranked one's number 2 in the world or another one I think is number 13 in the world and um when I asked him about the boxer shorts he said that they did that so that they could stay cool in the summertime so that was his response oh so it was yeah it was literally our boxer shorts he, he stores boxer shorts in the refrigerator <laughs> During the summertime, so. Well, that's that's unique and a unique yeah. use for the refrigerator. I mean, and this is what I'm, I'm telling you. I have seen, I mean, snakes, boxer shorts, gross items. I've seen uh, placentas in the freezer, which is not too uncommon. Uh, but I mean, or oh, I shouldn't say that. I think among there's a whole home birthing movement exactly uh, in the in the United States or around the world. So lots of people hold on to their placentas. I mean, I've seen all kinds of different things. I have. I have often been surprised, but at this point, I really am not. So Okay, so what was, of all the refrigerators that you looked inside, what was the biggest surprise to you? Was it the snake? No, i, I got to be honest with you and say that the most surprising to me was the street advertiser. And this is a woman that I met here kind of on the streets through a community organization in actually in San Antonio, my hometown. And when I opened it up, there was absolutely nothing. And I think that really that just the surprise to me, the realities of food insecurity, the realities of hunger, and knowing that this wasn't somebody who was traveling all the time or who was eating out all the time, but literally it was somebody who just did not have any money for food or did not have anything to eat in their home. What is a street advertiser, Mark? That is, it's the one that's completely empty, and there's a black bag in the upper, in the top uh, shelf, and then there's actually a jar of organic wasabi mayonnaise from a high-end grocery store here in Texas. But th those are the only two items. What uh, in does there. it? I, I do remember that image. I do remember the black bag, and wondering 
what was inside it. Mm. Um, but I wonder, what what is a street advertiser? Are those the people that like wear an advertisement to bring people into a store? Yes, it's people who, or she, what she did is she would stand on on, uh, on the side of the freeway with a big sign on on a on a wooden pole, kind of up in the air, advertising you know the sale of furniture or of clothes or however. And really, it's day labor. You know, yeah. she would uh, get hired in the morning. I think she would make about you know twenty something dollars a day. Um, doing that, and that was her work. But the great thing is, she took great pride in that work. She really, really did, and she she had pretty severe mental illness. Mm. Um, but it was such a, and she actually herself was a was a photographer. She made beautiful Polaroid uh, images and really talked passionately about her artwork and really shared so much. Mm-hmm. How did she eat? She tells stories of dumpster diving. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the. Some of the same stories that I was talking earlier about the the owner of the defunct amusement park, the uh, the World War II prisoner of war. You know, he dumpster dove um, really to save food because he was just disgusted at the at the waste of society, and so really tried to to bring that out. And she really she dumpster dove for necessity. Uh, she I remember she said. Um, in an interview, she said, you know, sometimes people, you know, they look at me and they give me that eye. But you know what? If I'm hungry, you know, I got to do what I got to do. And I, you know, I really respect her for that. Mm-hmm. Did you ever find out what was in the black bag? I did not, no. So, How could so many... you resist not asking what was yeah, in these Yeah, well, also, I think one of the things that's really important to this project is that I really photographed each refrigerator um, as is. So nothing was added, nothing taken away, nothing moved. You know, so it really was literally just opening up the doors. I had a couple lights that I brought with me, and I, and I photographed this project with a 4 by 5 view camera, so shooting with large ones. It's one of those ones where you get underneath the cloth, um, and you have to focus real yes. old-timey. But the reason I did that is because it was a slow, co- contemplative process and really took time, um, but also just really wanting to get the maximum amount of detail out of each negative because they're large prints in the show. The mm-hmm. largest ones are 32 by 40 inches, so actually larger than the life size, um, so that you can literally read the ingredients off of the off of the items in the refrigerator. Mark, we just have a few minutes, but I want to <laughs> make sure that you tell our listeners what you want them to know from this project? Yeah. Well, I think that really the the deepest thing for me has been that that reflection. I think it's hard to 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 look at the project and to be thoughtful about the project and not reflect back on our own lives and the food choices that we make, the things that we store in our refrigerators, where our food comes from, what food means to us. You know, and so really that is my deepest hope. And from the very beginning, all that I wanted was the project for the project to do something good. And I've been so thrilled that, you know, now the project has gone to about eight cities and it's been used by universities and community organizations um, to really to begin dialogue about food issues. And so what I do is every community goes to, I try to partner with different organizations. Um, for programming. And so right now in San Antonio, there during the three-month exhibition, I think there's about 36 or 37 different events that are going on, everything from gardening classes to farmer's markets to roundtable discussions, diabetes screenings, different uh, lectures that are happening, gallery talks, all kinds of different things. And so that... You know, it's traveling up. It's booked up, you know, through next year. There's still some, some different times that are open. But that's really my hope is that 
that the project would be used by communities, um, not only um, for self-reflection, but to really to engage engage their society. You've mentioned that you started keeping a food record. Was that inspired by your own comparison between what you were eating and what you saw others eating? Um, I don't know if it was inspired by that, but it really was just about a reflection on my own food habits. And so, yes, what I, I started off, um, I have a, a, a dear friend of mine who is a um, nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And, and so she mentioned to me about keeping a food log. So I did it for one day, and then one day led to two to three, which eventually ended up being 365 days um, of what I ate. And I actually present that as in the project as a text panel, as same size as the photographs, and it's kind of my uh, my self portrait. But you know, so what I realized through that was that how I thought that I ate was was not really consistent with how I was actually eating. And at the same time that the year that I was doing that, my wife and I had uh, gave my wife gave birth to our first son, and so it really, really, really made us reflect on the few choices that we were making as a family and what we were going to be passing on to our children, and really gave us a, a boost of energy to to expand the garden, to begin, you know, regularly going to the farmer's market and we you know, all kinds of different food habits that we now implement in our life. Well I want to thank you, Mark. This has been a wonderful, insightful program and I want to make sure our listeners have a chance to go to your website and learn more about you and your work too. So if you'll just go to http colon double slash Mark Menjavar, one word Dot com And Menjivar is spelled M-E-N-J-I-V-A-R. We have been speaking with Mark Menjivar. He is an artist and photographer based in San Antonio, Texas. His project is called You Are What You Eat, a series of portraits made by examining the interiors of refrigerators and freezers in homes across the United States. Food Sleuth Radio is produced at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us. And, Mark, I want to thank you so much for helping us expand our thinking. Oh, it has been so delightful being with you. Thank you for the opportunity.